0: And welcome to Post-Credit Conversations, a movie podcast where we believe that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle, and I'm
1: Slade. Lane. How you doing, Slade? Uh, minus a slight headache, I'm doing pretty good.
0: Groovy.
1: And I'll be even better in just a minute or two. Heyo. Ah, <laughs> you had someone bring you breakfast. I know. It's that's wonderful. amazing. She's wonderful so Aww. so i this is being recorded babe don't worry uh so it is and
0: now we have what we need for slade to make eating mouth sounds in the middle of our recording
1: <laughs> you know Perfect. what you can take as much time as you need to tell how you are and i will mute <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I'm now that okay. i'm conscious or or take 10 minutes to explain the movie like just give the full overview <laughs> I mean, should we just jump straight to the movie so I can... <laughs> Is that how we're going to do this? We, You know, to avoid the mouth sounds, this is a solid opening. And, uh, you know, how are you, though? How are you? I'm not going to eat you. I'm okay. You?
0: you know what? Okay. It's it's officially July now, which makes me feel like my summer's already halfway over, which is sad and depressing and, and weighs, weighs me down in a way that's not super fun. But it's been a pretty okay week. Uh, I've got some fun stuff coming up fairly soon uh including uh a trip to a water park and also uh, a trip to visit slade what? in person what
1: that is true
0: that is I was true. like that's wow coming up.
1: to a water park you say i like it didn't even specify the water park we're gonna go to hey, a water park water parks are amazing somewhere man. between california and nebraska we will be at a water park that's what well i, ima- I mean that's what i imagine whatever that's what I meant. No, it's,
0: Anyway. whatever. Anyway. So yeah, things are fine. Um <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> I feel like we are all over. The, we gotta get we we've been missing some of it's our initial minutes. recording times. I feel like we're getting real rusty real quick. So let's do two minutes. I know you're like, it's no, fine. I love this loose, crazy, weird form of podcasting. It's super fun.
1: Goodness.
0: I don't dislike you it know. necessarily. <laughs> oh, there's a slurp we needed that
1: you know the sun is down the moon has risen let's get on to our movie
0: whatever you say sir all right (laughs)
1: let's
0: get to the good stuff all right this week we are talking about moonrise kingdom a 2012 wes anderson film um this film focuses on, I guess, a small, a young camper named Sam. I guess it focuses mostly on him. It goes kind of a few different places. But Sam is a young 12 or 13-year-old kid who is part of the Khaki Scouts. And so he's at this summer camp, It's though it's in September. This is a small thing that confused me. It's apparently in early September, but it's summer camp. I don't know. Anyway, it's 1965, Sam leaves his khaki scout because he realizes that nobody likes him at the summer camp, and so he's tired of dealing with these people. He has been sending letters to um, a pen pal, a girl that he met a year before, Susie, and works out a scheme to meet up with her as she runs away from home and he runs away from camp. As they meet each other uh, out in the middle of an open field, he guides her along um, an old Native American trail where they camp, uh, go swimming, eat fish, paint each other in their underwear, dance on the beach, kiss, and basically start a relationship. And it's fairly sweet. And then, of course, the adults realize that these kids are missing and they send out a search party to find them. Uh, when they do find them, they are determined, we will keep you two apart forever, and um, but then of course they are focused so much on getting back together and the rest of the khaki scouts realize that they had been jerks and so they want to help these people get together and it's kind of a sweet little turnaround, let's recognize the weirdos are still people kind of a film and yeah that's that i think i didn't that, know where that's a solid gonna... overview well, thank you. I I hadn't thought about it before I started talking. So I'm you, like, I d- hope you this didn't works. spend
1: three minutes on the intro and then like thirty seconds on the end, uh, you know, like, like I try a, not like to. like a noob,
0: <laughs> like a noob. All right, um, Slade, you've seen this movie before. This is my first time seeing it, but you've uh-huh. seen this before. So I have. Uh, get us started with some initial thoughts.
1: Um. Well, I still like it. Uh. No, it's it is. It's very Wes Anderson, which, I mean, he's never not going to be Wes Anderson. You know, like, you you see any of his movies. Uh, There is a perfection, though, happening in this movie with, amongst his other movies, I think, where he really perfects his style of Mm. uh, cinematography. I think of, you know, just the right angles and static camera. I think there's maybe one handheld shot the whole time for the whole movie is the only one I saw, but you know, that, that swivel to of right angles, which you get right away and doing shots on a track, like it's just so perfected in in the sense of, <clears throat> you know, uh, production design and everything, it's all there. Um, yeah and it's very good it and it's quirky and but in a very different way i think than anything he did before this um right except for except for fantastic mr fox because this that (laughs) that did come before and i think these two those two kind of go together
0: they do go together a lot including lots of yellow uh on screen (laughs) There's a big yellow motif happening in those two movies. Yeah, uh, when we started watching this the other night, I, I told my wife, within the first 10 seconds of this movie, I was like, I love that this director has such a unique personal style. Like, within 10 seconds, if I didn't know who directed I'd be like, hey, I think I know who directed this. And there's not a lot of directors you can do that. And the ones you can do that with, sometimes you're like, it's often a bad thing. And I think with Wes Anderson, it's a good thing. It's something where his choices, <laughs> he's like the opposite side of, of Tim Burton. And I don't think all of Tim Burton's choices are bad. That's not what I mean by it. But Tim Burton's another filmmaker that usually you can tell pretty quickly, like, oh, this is a Burton film, but his is all dark and twisty and there's no straight lines. And <laughs> Wes Anderson is like bright and colorful and everything is kind of square. and so, and Yeah, it's great. Um and so I think those are two people who really just own their style and do what they're going to do. There's other people who you can kind of tell who's behind it like a Michael Bay type, but those don't usually have... Or Zack Snyder, where you can like... This feels like they're kind of a movie, but it's usually not said in, in, in a good way. You know, it's like it's because it's too overproduced or the color schemes are, are muted and there's no vibrance, there's no life to it. And Wes Anderson has... A strange kind of life in his movies. Um, Sometimes it's not dynamic, right? He doesn't make dynamic movies, but they still look so interesting.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, And comparing with, I guess, more uh, Hollywood type directors, too, is an interesting comparison. Because there are directors like you can you can spot a Bay movie based on shots uh you can do a, right. a snyder movie based on shots and slow-mo and you know uh things like so that. there was but some it's... slow-mo
0: in this movie too there,
1: there was, was some slow-mo here there there was uh we'll get there uh but but with those directors like what they're doing anyone can do you know bay, bay could do what snyder does snyder can do what bay does um you know and there is a craft to it you know not to downplay what those directors do because not like i can direct a movie um right of that quality but with wes anderson though it seems very stripped down no special effects you know it is highly orchestrated those set pieces and camera movements and everything again from the opening shot it's just like this is choreographed they they rehearsed this you know before and that's kind of what
0: I really like about it, too, is obviously his style is is so him. Like, it does mm-hmm. call attention to his own style, which you would think would be a bad thing. Yeah. But it also forces us to recognize, like, wow, everything is meticulously put together. Right? There's yeah. so many movies where it's like you know the people put in tons and tons and tons and tons of work, but you have to spend a lot of time to even focus and recognize that work. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I remember thinking this the first time I saw... Um, Life Aquatic, which has been a long time. Yeah. I need to review a lot of Wes Anderson movies. I've seen six of them, but yeah. all of them were seen without me being really, like, paying attention or critical yeah, yeah. about anything. But I remember Life Aquatic because there's a shot that is the boat, and the boat's just cut in half. So it's just, like, a stage. And all the yeah. characters are in these different rooms, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, um, Just because it was so different, and it's like, we, we admit... You know, his his movies, I guess, a lot of times, they're like a play more than they are a movie in a lot of cases, at least the way he sets it up. And we see that in the house mm-hmm. when he's starting, like, we're going to this room, we're going to that room. But even as the camera is panning up through the house, you're like, again, you built a set yeah, with, you know, that looks like a stage that you could just move your camera. And you're in all these different rooms and all these different people are doing different things. And I just, I think it's so cool.
1: It is. And I... um I might have lost my thought, but... Um,
0: sorry. It's okay. I know you were, you were looking eager, and I just kept talking over you. It's fine.
1: Um, <laughs> just pieces. eat that bacon into the Place. microphone, That's and it'll come it come back was. to you. It did. No, um, chew, chew, chew. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, but you know what? Start your own podcast and not do it. I don't care. Um, so... No, his set pieces, like you said, it, his movies are very much play like, especially because he does. He cuts up his sets in a way where it's like you see them almost, almost. Because um, you don't quite see that it's a set. But it's cut in a way so he can film it in a way, you, you know, like that opening shot of, of when it's on the. It's not a crane, but going up, right? Um, that's very much going through the layers of the house. It's like, it's almost a play, but it's not quite, which kind of calls attention to, uh, at least one movie we've done this year. Uh, one night in Miami, which is based on a play, but Wes Anderson's movies aren't based on plays or at least none that I'm aware of. Um, so, so this is a film style. It's not an adaption of a play now thrown into a movie. It's, you know, he's paying homage almost to the set pieces of a play and, and all that work and all that movement, which is kind of cool, whereas, you know, something like One Night in Miami it's like, okay, how do we take a stage play and throw it on screen or what? So, yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I just find that very interesting where he ch- makes that conscious choice to make a play like movie sets that doesn't necessarily call for it. And it gives him a very distinctive style um, within at least his framing and his cinematography. So yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, it is very cool. It's very cool. And what I love about it is he chooses actors, I think as well that, Work well for this kind of play-like structure. Like they're his the the actors he works with over and over. Like he's always working with Bill Murray. He always brings in a Jason Schwartzman. Um, I was surprised yeah. there's not a Wilson in here somewhere because there's usually an Owen or a Luke's Wilson oh, yeah. somewhere, but there's not this time.
1: Was what was this around the 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 hard time for the Wilsons? I mean, I suppose, but he. I, I can't remember when Owen had his thing, going on. I don't but. even know what thing you're talking about. Like, he tried to commit suicide and stuff. Really? Yeah.
0: I didn't know this.
1: I'm pretty sure. I could be just remembering something from a dream. You know, the Wilsons
0: are people I don't... You know, Amy and I are watching uh, Loki, which has Owen Wilson (laughs) in it, and he's great in it. And part of us... Part of what watching that is like... (laughs) It's interesting. I wonder why he hasn't been in a lot of stuff until this. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I'm gonna have to do an Owen Wilson deep dive after this too.
1: Uh, anyway, not to make you all sad. Keep going. No, it's good. Uh, but he, <laughs> yeah, there's no Wilson. Right. Who are usually there? <laughs> but he uses. There's no Adrian Brody. Right. Which
0: has he only used him once or twice? Because I know he's in Darjeeling. I don't know. Either
1: he's way. In Bo- he's in Budapest. He's okay. In...
0: So he uses a yeah. lot of the same people. But he these people are all really great. And they're not even people you would normally think of. Like this movie has Bruce Willis, which is not someone I would expect to see in a yeah. Wes Anderson movie. But he's perfect for it. Right? I think we're yeah. so used to Bruce Willis either A, being John McClane in Die Hard. Or yeah. B, uh, phoning it in and not doing anything important at all in a movie. Uh, which seems to happen after the 2000s. This one, he actually just works really well as just kind of this muted you know, police officer on the island. I think he's great. And all of them seem to buy in very well to whatever Anderson's plan is. I'd love to see how he talks to his his actors He'd be like, this is what we're going for. Because yeah. um, obviously by now, Bill Murray is always in a Wes Anderson movie. He knows what he's signing yeah. up for, right? Uh, same with Schwartzman, who is amazing in this. Um, and Tilda Swinton is like perfect all of this he gets such good people (laughs) and they are all just like so in and as I was watching this I think there was another thing that kind of stood out to me the moments where (laughs) the um, Ed Norton and Bruce Willis are having to call the other island Right? they call the foster parents and then later they call social services and Wes Anderson after they hang up the phone he just keeps the camera going for just that little bit longer And we watch these people just do whatever they'd have to normally do, right? Social services is like, all right, well, I just got to file my stuff. Like, they just keep going in character for, like, another 20 or 30 seconds. And it's a weird thing, but also, like, it builds this world just a little bit more. These characters aren't done as soon as they're done talking. They still have their jobs to do. And it's these small little choices that stand out because you don't normally see that in any other movie, but I actually just really liked it. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, because that's what you do after a phone call like this. Is is good, is good.
1: It is. It's very, very well casted. Like pretty much all of his movies. All of them. Uh, yes. It, well, in casting's weird. I, I say really well casted, but like, like you said, like it's cool that they go back and they do what they'd be doing. Like they are characters in this world, but it's also like a lot of Anderson's movies, or all of them. Let's just say all of them. Except for maybe Darjeeling, uh. But anyway, uh, it it's this weird hyper reality mm-hmm. world he has, right? Because like Bruce Willis is really good in this. I don't know if he's phoning it in, but I'm like, you're not. Oh, over- no one's overacting, is what I'm saying. Right? Like it's all you very know subdued. What I mean? like, actually, <laughs> it it's 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 all very subdued, which which is another Anderson hallmark. Um, which works wonders. We'll get into story, I assume, <clears throat> as well. But it works wonders for being so subdued. It is this comedic style to deliver. Like, oh, it's so deadpan, mm-hmm. you know. And they're, you know, most of the lines that are really hilarious are hilarious because they're deadpan. Like, right. like Jason Schwartzman's lines are so perfect, but. They're not actually funny. No. You know, like, they're not (laughs) punchlines or anything. It's just the tone with which everyone delivers this matter-of-factly written statement about things. Again, Anderson Hallmark at this point, but it's somehow... It's this weird hyper-reality world that feels real enough, but also really weird. Because, like, them going back to their jobs... Like, oh that's cool. I've never seen that. But it's also like that's a weird move. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, is. It's you, super you weird. know. Yeah. Um but it works so well, well in and developing the world. Right. You know? and in,
0: <laughs> I think with these characters, you know, the opening the opening shots I guess are of the um, uh, Bishop family, uh, with Bill Murray yeah. and you know, the actress who plays Susie, whose name I don't remember. Um, and um Oh goodness, I can't believe I just lost her name. The wife, her name is Laura.
1: <laughs> Francis McDormand. Oh,
0: who's so good, always. Um. And so it's like those are the ones actually, I think Bill Murray and Francis McDermott have the least amount of not character moments, but we in a sense we know the least about them. Right? Compared yeah. to like Ed Norton, the opening shots with Ed Norton, I think, are amazing. Like, <laughs> the way he is taking this troop stuff with his khaki scouts. So seriously, like intensely seriously, is hilarious. The fact, like, you can think of summer camp counselors uh, as people who are just like, whatever, get it done. You know, you've got kind of your wet, hot American summer type of characters who are like, we're just here and we don't really care. We're doing our own thing. And to have Ed Norton be so straight laced and serious, the fact where people are like, you're a math teacher? He's like, yeah, eighth grade. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not. That's on the side. This is what I do full time. It's so... uh, I love it. It's so good. And he's so committed to it. And you believe it every second. Like when he's running to the other camp in the rain, when he's driving his boat across the the bay, uh, his adventure jump to go save the other guy, which is so cheesy and so stupid, but also... It's perfect. It's perfect for that character. um, Yeah. Because he is in this 100% and he's so good at it that when we were watching it my yeah. wife's like I want something good to happen for him cuz he's losing scouts he does when he has his badge stripped from him my wife's oh, like that's so no, funny he he needs you know she was just waiting for him to get something good to happen to him and then it does right he saves the day and uh it's yeah. it's so good and just the commitment to it to the character the commitment to the character in the writing and the commitment to the character in the performances they're just they're so good and they're so solid that even though it's a hyper reality you're like I believe it I believe this character yeah and it, definitely and with Bill Murray and uh, Francis McDormand like they're good enough characters but I think we see the least of them to know who they really are yeah like they're still yeah. strange they call each other counselor because they're both lawyers which is funny Um, <laughs> but it's still just I don't know there's something weird about it as yeah. their marriage is falling apart and the way they there's somehow stunted and they can't actually talk about how their marriage is falling apart instead of just like i apologize for all the injuries uh, most of them were self-inflicted uh which is a really cool line and a cool idea but also for those yeah. characters i wish i saw a little bit more of who they were
1: mhm um yeah i mean for me uh Spoiler alert! I think they're the weakest part of this. They are, yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting because, like, yeah, you're like, I want to see more, which could work for me. I I'm more on the like, just the weird conflict they have in the movie. I'm like, just just cut it. You know, I'm like one of the things where I'm just like just. Just get rid of it, mm-hmm. you know. Give them, give them deadpan funny lines with each other, or a weird conflict where they clearly hate each other, and she's still with Bruce Willis. Like right. that would be fine. But the weird moments of hinting that like their marriage is falling apart, which only fail because it's never really explored mm-hmm. enough. But it's ex- explored too much. You know, it's in that horrible middle place of just like, okay, you really need to keep going with this because it's just we- it just ends weird. Well,
0: it does end weird. You know, I, you know the, the whole idea of her having an affair with Bruce Willis, um, it's like, okay, their marriage is falling apart. But by the end of the movie, it has added a weird shade to the end of this movie as well because at the end of the movie, Sam who's been adopted by Bruce Willis is constantly coming over to their house dressed yeah. as a police officer, dressed as Bruce Willis basically. And I'm like, yes. what a weird situation <laughs> if I <laughs> if I was one of those parents, I'd be like, great. This affair that I had that I've 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 cut it out. We're not doing that anymore, but now there's this constant reminder walking back into our house every day as a small version of a of Bruce Willis. It's it's a yeah. it's weird. Um, there's something cool about it for Sam that he finds someone that he gets along yeah. with. And it works like it's, it's beautiful in that sense. But because you did have this strange affair that I think does serve some purpose in the film. But also by the end, it also makes the ending just a little bit weirder.
1: It does. Um, and again, that's where I, I see. I'm like, you just you needed 10 more minutes to make it work. Right but i'm not so sure i want 10 more minutes of it. Right. You know? I agree with that too because and, and, i don't
0: want deeper <laughs> stuff with them. I just think the way that yeah. those two characters I, are written, yeah. there's not much to grab onto, right? Like
1: no. Well, it, and and what's there in, in the danger of going forward with another 10 minutes to really flush it out, i'm like for me it undercuts the rest of the movie mm-hmm. because the rest of the movie does does what it does so so well yeah. and so skillfully and and even that because I mean Willis's character uh captain sharp I mean th- that is the awesome payoff at the end of the movie of just like oh he takes Sam in
0: yeah you
1: know because you have that awesome scene of them <laughs> together in his trailer mm-hmm. when he's watching him for that little bit and it's so good but you know near near the end yeah thinking about it too much i'm just like oh but it's so weird and undercut by his his weird thing with miss bishop like yeah like whatever happened with that you kind of get the the scene on the docks where everyone's fighting and it's like but it's never truly hinted at even in that fight that like you know bill murray's character knows or is upset about it Again, he's this very reserved, almost depressed, melancholy character who just doesn't even care anymore. And it just... The more I think about him, the more I'm like, it doesn't work. (laughs) Like, he either needs to just be depressed and don't hint at why, (laughs) or tell me why he's so depressed. And he's weird and in the middle of like, "I, I think I know he's being cheated on and his marriage is falling apart and he's unhappy but also he's like this self-deprecating not likable person (laughs) right so i I have a hard time sympathizing with his character or or miss bishop at any level with what is given
0: yeah i I, I think i'm with you on that because i think that there's again there's a purpose for it. I think when you're looking at what Sam and Susie have going on, like they are these young kids who are falling in love and getting married, uh, while all of the adults around them can't figure out relationships, right? You've got that kind of juxtaposition happening where there's like, no, this makes sense and we're going to make this work and the and the grown-ups don't know how to make it work, right? And even yeah. when Susie tells her mom like I've seen what you do with the police yeah. Uh, captain that's messed up and i hate you it's like this is a, a a good conflict for her to see and it totally speaks to the 12 and 13 year old mind uh, of like you yeah. guys can't figure this out but i'm young and i'm gonna, we're going to make it work um and so i like that it serves that purpose but with bill murray himself um you know they they still make him weird my favorite part <laughs> with him is just I'm going out to chop down a tree. Um, And it's like, that's him, I guess, taking out his aggression. Wonderful. Right? But also, there's other parts that are weird, because he's got these black eyes, and she's like, no, he just fell down a thing. And it's like, because it's not addressed, like, he's trying to find a way to vent his frustration in an immature way. And maybe that's all this is. Maybe this is just one of those types of movies. like, the adults are more stunted than the children somehow. Um, Yeah. Which is fine, but I don't think it quite feels right, at least with with murray's character it i love it when bruce willis like i said the conversation they have which is have you ever been in love yes well what happened she didn't love me back you know just these like simple conversations back and forth that are telling a kid like there's some harsher realities out there that just because you're in love and things seem great they don't always work out um it's great and it's honest and it's sincere and i like that um so that's good but yeah with murray it just doesn't he's still funny it never hits but it, it doesn't hit right hits. it doesn't hit right um, yeah. which is a
1: bummer <clears throat> it is um yeah so, so so how do you feel about the main thrust of the story because you said in your opening like I guess it's about Sam which I agree with <laughs> um <clears throat> well so I have is it a critique criticism maybe okay
0: there's one point in the first half of the movie where things are starting to feel kind of slow Sometimes, when a movie and it's set up, it doesn't really make it clear who where the focus is or what's going on, right? Yeah, and I don't know that's a problem with the movie, it might be a problem with me. But like when Sam disappears, we don't even see Sam for a good chunk of the opening, right? Yeah. It's like all so I'm not sure who we're supposed to focus on first. I think that's why I said I guess it's about okay. Sam because like it opens in the Bishop house and then we go see Ed Norton. Out there with his troop, and we discover, like, oh, this kid's missing. And now they're out searching for this kid. But it'd be, it would be weird in a movie. It's like, this movie's about this kid. And you don't see that kid until I didn't check a time, but I'm, I'd say 15, 20 minutes in, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, once we kind of get to it, I think all of the background into it is great. Sam is a kid who his parents have died. He's living in a foster home. He causes a lot of trouble he swears it's not his fault (laughs) he lit a doghouse on fire while sleepwalking um allegedly and now he's at camp and all the kids think he's weird and so he feels rejected constantly he feels like an outsider so he reaches out to the one person who hasn't rejected him Susie and says I'm running away you should run away with me I think it's great um yeah when it gets to that but it it takes a while and I don't think it would be better if you front loaded it with all that like if you started with
1: yeah it yeah. wouldn't
0: work if you started with the play and what are you you're a raven I don't think that would be any better um, but there is some yeah. slowness as it is trying to kind of get its feet under it I guess Um but once it's together and you see like um <laughs> what Susie's like you know I found this book that my parents have on how to work with you know, difficult children yeah. or emotionally disturbed children and so she feels like a freak in her own house he feels like a freak everywhere he goes except for this is the saddest moment he's like yeah I think I found something with my foster family and then his foster parents are like no he can't come back he's, he's causing too many issues um, that he is looking yeah. for something he thinks he's got something and then just the world around him keeps letting him down basically um, and the adults keep letting him down And so I think it's great to focus on those characters. Um, And then the part that surprised me the most, and I'm glad it worked, is all of the kids in their treehouse when they decide they're going to help him. Yeah. Because they're all just being, uh, you know, we teach middle school kids, right? So we, this is, there's something, (laughs) it's hyper real, but also totally accurate that all of these kids hate on Sam. And the one kid who turns (laughs) around like, Why do we not like him? Like, well, he's emotionally disturbed and he's weird. It's like, yeah, so? (laughs) So, We're khaki scouts. Shouldn't we then be the people who are there to help him? I'm like, yes! Yes, you should! This is amazing. And they buy into it because they realize, not like a middle schooler actually would so much, but they realize, as they should, that their dislike of Sam has no weight to it. It has no logic to it. And so they're able to throw that aside and say, well, let's help the guy. And I love it. Um, so I like yeah. a lot of the stuff. And then, again, it's the adults with their preconceived notions that are actually the ones who are getting in the way of everything. So I do yeah. really like it. It just took a while for it to get up and moving for me.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. It, it is a little, if or at least feels somewhat slow. Mm-hmm. It, Especially if you haven't seen an Anderson movie. Because uh, it's like, wh- uh, what what's going on? Right. <clears throat> and, and, of course, I think his writing style helps with that. Because it's just like, ooh, who's this character? Who's this character? That's really weird and funny and off. Um, so it works. And I really enjoy the the setup, right? Because you don't get... All of Sam or Susie's backstory right away. I right. mean, even in the first twenty minutes, you don't. And I think that's what really works for it. You you get a little bit of what Sam is, but you keep getting more and more as the story goes on. You know, <clears throat> instead of like, here's who he is, and here's everything about him. Like with the the narrator, like that that could have easily been the move because it's been done in Mm a lot of movies before it's like all right the first five minutes this narrator is going to make a really funny interesting explanation of our characters and we're going right everything the royal tenant bounce
0: right you could just like have the narrator like over here in this chapter this is what's going on and yeah
1: exactly but this one you know it takes it time and it makes at least susie and you know sam much more human and i would say both of them are the focus because Mm -hmm. you, you know, they're, they're each the same character in a sense, you know, of, of being outcasts in where they live kind of thing. Um, but the growth that happens through the movie is so interesting. I I think, I mean, the, (laughs) one of my favorite things, I'm amazed my girlfriend didn't, uh, gasp or cry uh, is is like when Snoop dies (laughs) or Snoopy Snoopy Snoop
0: or Snoop Snoopy. Yeah.
1: When Snoopy dies, like (laughs) in any other, in a lesser movie, that would be such a sad thing. Like, especially in a coming of age movie like this, it somehow, somehow like it is this tragic, hilarious thing. I think (laughs) Uh, because, you know, you have this battle that, is about to ensue. The next shot is all of them running away, <laughs> you, you know, with varying wounds. Right. Uh, you know the kid who gets stabbed. Like the girl did it. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> on the radio, but um, and and then it cuts to the dog, which is very gruesome. Hmm. And it's a it's a classic coming of age movie type thing to do, right? But how. How it addresses it is so interesting in, in this relationship between Sam and Susie because they are like, we're in love. We're running away together to somewhere where this scout kid has determined. And right. Just all those scenes are hilarious. He's like, I'll go get this. I'll <laughs> put that up. But that shot of the dog is like, oh, okay. Innocence lost or whatever. But like Sam's line of like, And it comes at that moment or when he sees the kid who got stabbed with the scissors where he's like, it couldn't be helped. And I think that line is so good. To address, you know, the death of Snoopy, which he apparently did kill the dog, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, Sam didn't. It was somebody
0: else, right? I mean, that's the thing. It was another one of the kids, like... That, cause Sam didn't have a bow and arrow. It was another kid. He blames the kid when he sees him at the nursing tent later. He's like, "You killed your oh, dog," oh. and it's that kid. Oh who yeah, said yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Because yeah, but, so, but this whole but scene, again the
1: address the addressal of it's still still the same. You, you know, just like it couldn't be helped, and he moves on. I, and I mean, you get. I mean, it's more just a hilarious throwaway line when he's like, "Oh, those bastards," uh, right? But. You know, to address a coming of age moment like that is so interesting.
0: Well, I think if we explore this as far as like a, yeah, coming of age or even a loss of innocence, that, that scene is really interesting because like Sam and Susie are walking through the forest, the other scouts find them. And Sam points out, he's like, you don't like me. Why would you want me to come back? Just leave me alone so I can go on. And then these kids, at least the main kid, is like, he's power hungry, right? He's like, we've been deputized. Yeah, yeah. We have the authority. And they're all carrying weapons. <laughs> Which they're not supposed to do. And Norton's like, no weapons. And they all have weapons. Knives and bows and arrows. This the horrific looking club with nails oh, in it. I love um, that club. It's so it's, awesome. It is, it's great. And it's like Sam is pleading with him. It's like, guys, don't. And he's got his little air rifle. And yeah, we don't see the the battle, but yeah. that's also what works. Is they're charging each other. We see the arrow fly. And then next thing we get are just screams of pain and children <laughs> fleeing yeah. the forest. And the next thing we see is is the dead dog. Um, yeah. so if we're going to explore that as coming of age and loss of innocence, it's that moment of it's like, why can't you all just leave us alone? This this desire yeah. to just be to yourself, to do what you want, and the rest of the world barging in yeah. and not letting it happen. And yeah. represented, yes, by the dead dog and and you know, um, which shocked me. I was doing some reading on the movie. Apparently, shocked <laughs> most people when they watched this movie. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Um, but this idea of you know was he a good dog? It's like eh, who's to say? <laughs> it's hard to put a label on. Yeah. Is it a good dog or a bad well, dog? Dog. You know. It's, which I think is yeah, really yeah. interesting as well. It speaks, I think, to the larger idea of all of these humans, all of these people, are they good people or bad people? Yeah. Uh, who's to say I think all of that spreads out which I think is really cool Yeah,
1: well and it's cool too I guess, just thinking about it it's just like um, <clears throat> you know if it is a loss of innocence or, or coming of age moment I, I think too I was just thinking about the, the reaction too since it is so different of when a dog dies in a movie you know and it is so nonchalant and it is like well it couldn't be helped or <clears throat> Or whatever is also speaking to Susie and especially Sam of like, yeah, I lost my innocence already. Like, cause it just kind of moves without a blip of oh, you know, of contemplation. And that that could also be the point, I think, of just he he already has, you know, he right. he he moves from home to home. And so like, right. yes, the dog Sam, is dead. Sam has the lost- dog is dead, but who's to say it's good or bad and well it, it just couldn't be helped He he's already come to that there's no like mentor saying like well sometimes these things that never happens it's like he's already there right. when the dog dies which is also an interesting thing going right he's already had season. the trauma
0: of like both of his parents dying right which i think is yeah. interesting when ed norton keeps bringing back like wait what but it wasn't on his you know, it wasn't on his report, or it wasn't on his on his file that he's an yeah. orphan. Like it, it's <clears throat> shocking to the rest of the adults that kids have gone through some kind of trauma that they didn't know about, right? And I think that this is a movie that the more I watch it, the more I'll like it. I think is kind of how this one yeah. will go because, as we're talking about, it, there are all of these really fascinating complexities about growing up and being at that age and how the adults mm-hmm. see the world and the kids see. The world. I think it's yeah. very cool. Um, but I also think that scene, you know, you're you're talking about it being funny. I don't know if I agree. I think the dog I, I think scene, it's hilarious. I know you do, because <laughs> um, you're a troubled child. And not that the dog and died. I don't sociopath. think that part's funny.
1: I don't think it's funny the dog died. I think the reactions <laughs> to the dog dying, like, again, this is why it's an Anderson movie right. of like, who's to say. You, you know i'm just like it is a hilarious way because it's not the standard that's it, why it I is think true it deviates
0: from the standard kind of hilarious.
1: A, but I, only because like it they do
0: dwell on it right i mean they stop they look at it he pulls the arrow out of the dog you know it shows the dog more than once uh which surprises yeah. me as well right um so there's all of that but it's like this and he brings it up to the other kid you know it's like you killed your dog uh you know he's trying to play like you you've, you've why why are you a terrible person like you were so mad at me you were willing to kill your own dog which you know might also be like the way people hate on each other so much they betray their own innocence they give up their own childhoods they give up their own um, views of the world that would be more loving and kind and open minded Um, (laughs) so yeah there's a lot there Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we have to talk about the scenes on the beach okay okay because this What's surprised it? me. No, and here's why. <laughs> okay, so, okay. we're watching this last night and uh, with Sam and Susie, and they're reading books to each other, and they're hanging out, and, and he's, like, going through all of his survival stuff. And um, something my wife said uh, right as we were getting to the beach camp out, she's like, I really like them, and I like how it's, like, they're friends, and it's just really innocent. And then the very next scene is they're on the beach. It's like, well, so much for that. Uh, so okay, yeah. Just because like before, it is a very sweet like these are two kids who are doing what they think they should be doing, and uh, as they share stuff and you know, I love you, but you're wrong kind of stuff. And but then her very uh-huh. sincerely, I love you too, was really cool. But on the beach, I think this is a really again something not it's not something I would normally see in a movie. Um, They go swimming. And then that shot, as it pans across the beach, and she's in her underwear, just laying on a blanket. And he's painting her this very kind of adult thing. Like, who who does this? This is very strange. But I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this. Because these kids... Are actually like while they're filming this movie are only twelve or thirteen years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does this move? Does this is this a weird move? Is this a, are these weird scenes for kids this young?
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm not sure either. But it's it, it's stuck in my you know, brain a bit that, too.
1: That yeah, I, I guess I've seen it enough. It's not as shocking anymore. Maybe it was the first time. Uh, I think. It is one of the things that should not be shocking. Okay, it is is where I would say I I I understand completely why people you know would be shocked like oh it was nice and innocent, and then that happens like ah oh, and you know I think that speaks more to a <laughs> an American audience and our relationship to film and <laughs> right what the contents of a film you, you know because. In a way, it goes back to like uh, like a discussion of the movie Cuties that came right. out last year, where it's just and that's like, why I wanted to get your set, opinion because I know you watched that too. It, it, I did, and I loved it. And, and you know, again, whatever. Uh, so, it I think I think it's good because it doesn't go overboard. I think it does just enough to 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 shock. I, shock's not the word cuz it again i in my in my view it should not be shocking like uh, again this this is the thrust of the movie which is it is a coming of age movie in that it's like this this is the whole point right. <laughs> of life you know it's <laughs> it, you know like and so it's always weird to you like oh i wish it would stay innocent and it's like why why would that sounds terrible <laughs> like okay. you know in, in a in a sense in a sense right because you know like there is that loss of innocence which is always kind of presented in a treasure way the dog dying mm-hmm. but it's it's weird in the context of what happens on the beaks because it is you know children kind of exploring their sexuality right um yeah you know so, to be like, "Oh, it's gruesome, the dog's sad, oh loss of innocence, but to like look at this and be shocked in the same way or equate them where one is a death, and this one's just like it, it, it's a weird comparison, yeah, the more I think about it because like I remember, and I probably have brought it up like there's an Aronofsky interview from the last three, four years where he brings up like his feelings on the rating system and movies is. Basically says, I think it's so dumb that I can blow a guy's head off in a PG-13 movie, but I can't show two people making love. And, you know, like, I kind of get that same sense with this, because Mm. I would I could easily find people who would be so appalled by that scene, but not the dog dying. They'd be like, oh, it's tragic, sad, 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 and then see that and be like, oh, it's disgusting, how can you show this? It's like, well, that's, that's the point. You know, it's it's strange because, right. again, it's like no one wants to talk about, like, yeah, when you're 12 and 13, you start having hormones. And, what? you know, at the very ba- base—I know, it's crazy. Uh, but some, for some odd reason, you hit 25 and you forget it all. It, and it's right. just like this, this movie, again, it never goes overboard with it. I mean, there is the, like, <laughs> one reference when they're hugging. But— But even that, it's like, it's this weird, funny, innocent thing that I think is honestly being explored of like, but no, I like it. It's okay. Right. Whereas the audience, more often than not, I think, is looking at it and saying, like, that's horrible. Oh, no. And it's just like, this is what everyone goes through even the people under lock and chain go through this at some level you know and it's weird to pretend it's not happening and then be mad at it on a screen right in a controlled environment but you know it, it's a really good sheen sheen it's a good sheen, a good sheen. like michael no martin no. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah I, I i like it but it is shocking i i, I do agree with that it's like What 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 happens? What's going on? Because it does take a new form, especially like when they get caught, like and they're in the tent and they're just like, oh, you know. And again, I think it's just the nature of film for the last hundred years in America, where it's just certain things are taboo, where other things are delightfully celebrated.
0: Fair enough. Like violence. Like violence. Mostly violence in America.
1: Mostly violence. Uh, no. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, no, you've got a lot of there's a lot of good stuff there to dig into. Um I guess the first reason I brought it up when I was looking at this film when we got to that scene, um you know, them running around in their underwear, I was like, okay, whatever. There's nothing scandalous yeah. about it. Um I think their dancing on the beach was awesome. It's great. I think that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> His dance it's so ridiculous, and I love it. Uh, so I loved that, uh, but it was as they were, you know, as they're, like, kissing. Can you French kiss? You know, touch my chest. You know, these things where I was yeah. like, huh, these kids are certainly reading young, and so I wanted to check, like, how old are they actually? And when I saw how old they were, I'm like, oh, they are actually only 12 or 13 here. It, it got me thinking about the the ethics for the actors, and I'm not going against yeah. what you're saying. It's just It's something that comes up with me, like – how much yeah how much control does a 12 or 13 year old girl who is mm-hmm. getting groped in this scene how much control does she have how comfortable is she with that how is that handled on scene? like yeah. i know you've talked about cuties and how the directors yeah. of that like you know they kept people on set to keep talking with the girls and helping them process this like they tried to yeah, do that yeah, as yeah. ethically as they could while still proving a point but the point that's being proven here, I'm with you, is so important because these are yeah. middle school, about to be high school age kids, and this is all a reality, right? Um, you know, movies yeah. like Cuties, movies like Thirteen, that have explored this in other ways. Like, this is not uncommon for kids at that age. Um, yeah. We know this as teachers. When kids start talking, they say horrible. They know way too much to us as an adult. As an adult, we're like, oh, dang, that's very uncomfortable. And again, I I think that's kind of the point here, right? These kids on their own, first of all, I didn't think about it while watching it, but while you were talking, it came into my mind. Because Susie knows about her mom and she knows about Bruce Willis and she's like, I've seen what you do, that changes the scene also that maybe it's not yeah. even that's like yeah. what it's the uh the old anti drug commercials what where did you learn to do th- i learned it from you like i wonder if that's <laughs> a part of this right like she has seen yeah. them meet up before she has seen uh, at least to some extent what goes on so that, i mean that's a big part of probably why she knows what she knows and why she's moving forward but also it is the reaction of the adult world like oh my goodness get out of here you can't be doing this, this is a, but the adults are are also breaking the yeah. norms also right and, and that's a i think Definitely. this movie does that well and viewing the scene as those characters and in the story element i think that scene is great my question yeah. about it is largely based on the how do you deal with the actors and i don't yeah. have an answer for that
1: that's me neither because uh, <laughs> I, uh, I i do think about that from time to time because it is a issue i guess um because it's like well this is what the story calls for and it's a lot different from writing a book where it's just like right. you don't have you just write it you know and yeah this is like well i gotta get someone to do it now and right it calls for for this and, and you know i i think you know because even as recently as cuties this is the question coming in for actors and and again you, you know contrasting it with the violence in cinema Mm -hmm. I think is is a worthwhile conversation to have because is you know we're talking about where do you draw the line of allowing actors to do this or underage actors to do this and it's just like well if you can have kids act in movies where they're blowing heads off or whatever spilling guts like i'll just go light like have a walking dead yeah you know but you're gonna say but oh but them (laughs) french kissing it it, or you know grope grope is a strong word i think of like putting hands on like because it's not quite a grope it's it is it, it is presenting an innocence right because, right, because that scene is super awkward that's the thing that works for it it in is the story, awkward like, and that's the, that these are the awkward point.
0: kids trying yeah. to figure it out like and that's like, again yeah. in the story i think it's Whoa. great because it's like it's great this awkward like is this how this works is this how this happens yeah. it, is this it, how it great.
1: works and you know it never gets into that realm of again in an adult wins where it's just like well up in the club i'm groping and you know right, you're right, playing right. with your fingers and all that and so it presents that well, and it, again, it's like, I think it's more important to show it, and it, it plays into all sorts of stuff, of film, and what we portray, what we teach in schools, and how we portray sexuality to kids. Right. Because, you know, it's very tied, that reaction to that scene of, like, how how you are taught <laughs> about exploring and becoming a person. Person, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be this, like, oh, no more innocence. It's so sad. It's like, well, everyone's kind of got to do it. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, and it shouldn't be this sad thing, or it doesn't have to be, but there's so many systems at play, right? Um, making it shocking and like, oh, no, I I don't know if I should feel good about this. Like, well, yeah. There's certain ways you shouldn't feel about that scene. I agree, but there's definitely ways you can feel and and enjoy it and love it and mm-hmm. say like, "Wow, really cool scene," right? So,
0: right? Yeah, cool. Anything <laughs> else on your mind? More
1: productive than I thought it would be. I know <laughs> on that wow. scene. I'm like, all right. I don't know if I have much to say, but apparently, I do. <laughs>
0: apparently we are, like <laughs> on that scene a lot. Yeah. Anything else yeah. on your brain from this movie?
1: Um not really uh i i mean i could talk about any any of it so (laughs) forever and i know we're running short but um no no nothing nothing i really want to specifically address sounds good
0: (laughs) to the ratings all right slade you start us off with your final thoughts Um, and ratings
1: all right, Moonrise Kingdom. I I love this movie. I really do. Um Which I'm glad to hear cool. because when I suggested it, you sounded
0: like, "Oh, okay." And like cuz I knew cuz I mean, you're like, "Oh, you've already seen it." Like, yeah. "Yeah, I've seen it." And it was like, "Oh, he's not going to be into it." But all right, whatever. So I'm glad you like it. C- carry on.
1: No, no. I, no, I I do. I really love the movie actually. It's been a few few years since I've seen it. I've probably seen it 3 times before this, maybe. Maybe twice. Um, no, I I like it a lot. Um, I like Anderson's directing. I always, after seeing an Anderson movie, don't know if I should like it as much as I usually do, just because of how it's shot and everything. I I judge him unfairly, of like you pretentious a hole. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I've I've seen interviews and stuff with him. I'm like you seem. Like a lovely person right. So you know I can't be too mad That you do your job just so dang Good um I I Think this Movie from all the ones I've seen Um of his which is like Five or six It it really Might be my favorite Wes Anderson Movie wow it's tough It's tough It there's like three Fox Budapest in this one and Um But this one might be it. Uh, It's not a perfect movie. I think Budapest for him is, you know, it being his next movie really is where he perfects everything he Mm. did for 15 years before where it's just like this is perfect. But there's something about this movie story wise where he uh, drops a lot of that kind of pretentious period piece stuff which i think is very present in budapest in how it's framed and there is a very human story in here uh, about coming of age loss of innocence but it's done in such a fantastic way despite murray mcdormand's characters i i love it i think it's hilarious it it makes me feel good um yeah i saw my rating unfortunately i saw your rating also I know, and I'm like, do I go with it? Do I love it that much? Because I want to watch Budapest like right after this. So I'm like, I got to go check. I'm going to keep my official rating, or I'm going to make it an official It's five stars for me. I love it. Very I good. I really just love it. You know, it's it's good.
0: Cool. Cool. So, um, yeah. I've certainly enjoyed our conversation about it. I think that's helped me grow and like it more than I did last night. when I finished it last night, I'm like, okay. And I wasn't entirely sure what to do with it. Um, as I mentioned, there's a little bit of a slowness I feel at the beginning when they're first meeting up and they're going through the woods and I don't have a sense of the the thrust of the narrative, which I've re- realized for myself is something that can bother me as a viewer. Um, yeah. if I, I'm like, is this going anywhere? What's happening? like at some point I want to know. Um, or I need to feel like it's going somewhere. And I think this movie, like I said earlier, takes some time to get its feet under it. Um, But our conversation around it, I think, has been really great. I think the more I look at this as a... We've used the term coming of age too many times. But <laughs> looking at this as... Like, like yeah. to really honestly focus on is like, what is it to shift from childhood to adulthood what are the influences that are there while we're making that transition how does the world treat you as you're making that transition uh what is it like to deal with the trauma of childhood while still being a child and then you're trying to like make the world the way you want it to be because that's how you need it to be and then you realize the rest of the world is often trying to stop you while you're doing that those are such great themes and i think they're explored extremely well here um, I, I'm going to go lower than I would normally go but like I said earlier I think the more I watch this movie the more I will appreciate it and enjoy it yeah. Um, because I don't know if it's my if it's the conversation that I'm rating <laughs> right now or if it's the movie so I'm going to go a little bit lower than I was planning
1: they're only good as the conversation they're only as inspires, good as the conversation
0: but... it inspires um, boom which would put it at about a four star but okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it three and a half right now just because I don't I think it trips a little bit at the beginning right. but I think I I kind of want to go back and watch it again so if there was only a 3.75 which is stupid I know but um it, it's somewhere in there that three yeah. five four star somewhere in there and I, I'm kind of stuck on it uh, which is a not satisfying conclusion to my rating rant Um <laughs> <laughs> but it cuz like when I watch it I'm like I think that this film has that Anderson quirk but I felt like in the first half of the movie maybe not first half but the first chunk of the movie it relied so much on like I hope you're appreciating all this quirkiness more than appreciating what was actually happening on screen mm-hmm. and that bothered me. I wanted it to be like I said, I liked Ed Norton's character so much, and then he's kind of there but kind of not there at the beginning because then it shifts over to Sam. I, I So I think when I watch it again sometime, I'm going to appreciate it more, and it will probably move up to four, but right now I'm going to keep it at three and a half.
1: Okay. Okay. That's what we're doing. What, one more thing. One more. Because we didn't talk about it. I should have said, let's talk about that. This, as a movie just about middle schoolish age children, I think is so perfect. Yes and and what it's saying like with the characters of sam and Susie, because of the dog line where he says who's to say and his second follow-up line is but he didn't deserve to die i'm like that sums up so much of those two characters and you know the whole thrust of the second half yeah, of the movie of it does. rescuing them and saying yeah we might be bad but we don't deserve right. to get lobotomized and or
0: shock treatment or or shock whatever. treatment. No, I agree and, with you. And,
1: and whatever and, and I'm like I, I I picked up on this that one a lot more of this beer. That
0: is so a really good line. That that's mm. That and the other reason it's so good for a middle school age thing is how very seriously these kids are taking everything. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no irony You're like this is what we have to do. Um, which is great. Alright, yeah. Slade, what are we watching next?
1: <sighs> we are going to 2006. A sports comedy drama film directed by Jared Hess. Called Nacho Libre. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's amazing! Alright. <laughs> There's
1: been a lot of Jack Black movies almost pitched by me recently, just so you know. But I saw this one today. I'm like, I guess this is the one. I couldn't find you know, the
0: other one I wanted. You know, I've today, never seen this movie. We
1: almost did year one, but I think this will be better than year I hope one. so.
0: I've never seen I this. I've you. started it once, and what? I never actually finished it. Okay. I don't know why I didn't finish it. I don't remember. I don't remember. think I've
1: seen it since it came out.
0: But... Nacho Libre. It's fantastic.
1: That, you know Need something happy for it. it was that Or Midsummer. But I'm like I don't want tra- I don't want I did, I told Mandy this morning I'm like I don't want to traumatize Kale She's like You should It's not even the summer solstice yet I'm like Maybe next one Maybe next summer Because uh, as I ran the scenes I'm like I don't know I, I want to be a more happy And light Like this Wes Anderson movie Right I think that's what we need
0: Alright <laughs> uh, Thank you so much everybody For hanging out with us We appreciate it Um Yeah, we're over an hour. We're just going to end it. Thank you. You're great. We appreciate you listening. Have a great rest of your July. And until we see you next time, farewell, good people.
1: Don't stop the talk after you walk out of the theater, which are open. Go support your local theater.